2: Friggin' gabagool!
3: Hey, you! Friggin' beef curtains! (laughs) I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it in. I don't even care.
2: We're keeping it in. Fuck
3: it! (laughs) We're doing it live. (laughs) Hello, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I don't know the last time we did a full episode together.
2: Oh my God, I know. Cody <laughs> Cody put a curse on us. Yeah. And then just took over our podcast. Oh my all God. The full episodes.
3: <laughs> Getting all the exposure.
2: This is, exa- this is exactly what he wanted.
3: I know. It's all his master plan. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I really want to announce what he talked about last week, but I can't. Oh. And I'm really excited to – he's going to be on a, a show that he was on before, and everyone's <laughs> going to see him again.
2: <laughs> well, they definitely know now.
3: <laughs> no, there, he's no? been on a couple shows. You're right. He has been on a couple shows. I'm there's, excited. There's pretty much two to choose from. So That's
2: true. I'm excited now. One too. of the
3: two he's going to be on again. So It's a secret. You'll it's have to secret, tune back really. in to find out um it's it's not even a secret but because his horoscope said the day that i recorded with him that people may not have the best intentions when they hear your your plans he decided he wasn't gonna tell on the podcast good for him yeah proud of him he believes in horoscopes just like we do yeah proud of you cody (laughs) speaking of horoscopes yeah speaking of who wants to go first i'll i'll go okay I'll, uh, i'll read
2: yours ready okay yeah if possible A get-together of some kind could take place today, either at your home or the home of someone close to you, Leo. It could even turn into more than just a fun time. You might become involved in conversations with people who become valuable business or social contacts. Expect to have a wonderful time no matter what you do today.
3: No, that's not true. It's a Thursday. nothing's going on today Mm-mm. um i mean i did have like a virtual meeting with a bunch of people this morning but <laughs> i don't think that's the same i don't think that's what it's saying probably not know. probably not. no okay that one's not for me today okay okay um for gemini Whatever you're working on at the moment, Gemini, whether business-related, personal projects, or volunteer work, it's likely to bring you increased satisfaction on many levels. You're enjoying what you do, making a difference, and interacting with new friends. Your health continues to glow. You may feel as if nothing can stop you. Watch out for minor upsets, but nothing that will burst your bubble. Hmm. I
2: mean, right now, I've really focused on getting things ready for Raleigh's first birthday party. Mm -hmm. So that's, I guess, it. Is that Um, making
3: you feel satisfied?
2: It is. It is. I stayed up till like 11 o'clock last night (coughs) making decorations. So very excited about those. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess. Little upsets. I mean, today, my mom was like, because we're hosting it at my mom's house, which you know, because you're invited. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom, but for the listeners, right? So Mm -hmm. my my mom, uh, I told her like, okay, I'm coming to get Raleigh because she watches him while I work. And then I said, I got to go home, like, because I have to, you know, record my podcast. Yeah. And she goes, oh, I thought you were going to stay and help me today. And she was a little upset because she wanted me to help her clean the house. But I told her, Mom, I booked a vacation day tomorrow. I have the whole day off tomorrow. Oh so there it's gonna you go. come and help you all day. She knows this. Oh. <laughs> anyway, that's all. I guess kind of that was the minor upset. If we really want to dig
3: deep. Yeah, that's very minor. And it said not to get caught up in it. So that's I fine. didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't. <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's uh let's get into the fucking stories. Okay. I'll go
2: first okay. cuz you're going to go.
3: Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: I uh I don't know. I feel like the last time we
3: recorded together, you went first. Well, you had to read yours to Cody anyway last time, so. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Um general theme, I guess I went with like haunted houses. Like this is just like haunted house theme. Not not really a theme, but yeah.
2: So mine, I remember hearing about this because I'm pretty sure the New York Times wrote a very in-depth article about mine
0: mm-hmm. when
2: it was first kind of being brought to light of what was happening at this house. Right, I remember being so interested in it, and every few months I'd come back to it and be like, "I wonder what's going on with that." And there wasn't much movement, and I kind of forgot about it. But yeah, every once in a while you would think about it. And then the other day I'm scrolling through TikTok before bed, as I do, mm-hmm. and um. A TikTok came up that Netflix is doing, I I don't know if it's a documentary or if it's a scripted show about it. It's scripted. It's scripted. Okay. So they're making Wait, a Wait, you show. just found
3: out about this yesterday?
2: No, 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 no. no. Oh, I'm like, what? No, no. This uh, Did I say yesterday? I was scrolling I thought you said TikTok last like, night
3: you were scrolling, but maybe I just made that up. No, I'm very tired. Before bed, uh, uh, like a few weeks ago. Okay, okay, okay. And, yeah.
2: uh, and I sent you the TikTok and I said, I'm doing
3: this. For the, our next right. episode. Right, and you, I thought you sent that to me because you knew that it was being put on Netflix. Like, I thought you knew already I, that it was up on Netflix, like going to be up on Netflix. I didn't know
2: that it was going to be on oh, Netflix, but okay. she – she, so the TikTok lady, whatever, whoever it was, I can't remember the account now. Yeah. She was the one who uh, – I that's how I found out the news, like right. that they were making a show about it. So Got then it. I sent you that TikTok where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we're – you know, Netflix is doing a show on it, and I was mm-hmm. like – Holy shit, I'm so excited. So for those who don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about The Watcher. Okay, so this is the original article that I read uh, back in, I think it was 2018 when they first published this story. And I'm just going to read the article word for word because this journalist did a fantastic job. Their name is Reeves Weidman. And, uh, yeah, it's with New York magazine. And I, on- I honestly could not tell it better. They did such a great job. So I'm just rereading the words of Reeves. Wide.
3: Wy- and they've Wyman. updated it to the current yeah. state of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of
2: things. Yes. So <clears throat> one night in June of 2014, Derek Broaddus had just finished an evening of painting at his new home in Westfield, New Jersey. When he went outside to check the mail Derek and his wife, Maria, had closed on the six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard three days earlier, and they were doing some renovations before they moved in. So there wasn't much mail except for a few bills and a white card-shaped envelope. It was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner, and the typed note inside began warmly. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. For the Broadises, buying 657 Boulevard had fulfilled a dream. Maria was raised in Westfield, and the house was a few blocks from her childhood home. Derek grew up working class in Maine and then moved his way up the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan to become a senior vice president with a salary large enough to afford the $1.3 million house. The Broadduses had bought 657 Boulevard just after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday, and their three kids were already debating which of the house's fireplaces that Santa Claus would use.
3: Hmm.
2: Imagine.
3: <laughs> Multiple Derek, fireplaces. Right? Yeah.
2: Oh, which one of our fancy fireplaces will Santa slide down? I
3: hate you. Uh, <laughs> but, like, also, it didn't work out, so I don't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> But as Derek kept
2: reading the letter from his new neighbor, it took a turn. How did you end up here? The writer asked. Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? The letter went on. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It's now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out.
3: Immediately, (laughs) no. i would be out of there so i mean they were but like so do you think Spoiler. that they transferred like if that's the case <clears throat> with every new yeah. owner they pass the torch
2: i i don't know i don't know if it was every new owner they passed the torch or just or maybe every generation until they were like too old
3: to watch the house they then needed to pass along i just the find torch. it odd that it suddenly started occurring and didn't before yeah, with the previous I'm, ownerships.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm interested in that too. Uh, I, I. I. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't either know. that or like now that like this this third generation mm-hmm. uh, is just a, like this person ended up being a psychopath, right? This per you know. this specific
3: person who, I mean, they could have made up that story that their grandfather or father totally. watched the house, like totally. Who knows what was the Whatever it is, what's the case between that person's family and them, but made up this extravagant story that they were given the responsibility to do something. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the author's reconnaissance had apparently already begun. The letter identified the Broaddus' Honda minivan, as well as the workers renovating the home, quoting... I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy, end quote. Oh,
0: my
3: God.
2: Earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house and chatted with their new neighbors while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10 years old, ran around the backyard with several kids from the neighborhood. The letter writer seemed to have noticed. "'You have children. I've seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted,' the anonymous correspondent wrote before asking if there were more on the way. "'Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children?' Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me.
3: What the fuck? So this is where I don't – where I can see where it may not have been someone who tried to bid on the home because Mm -hmm. how would that person know that there was only three new children in the neighborhood? Right? Right. And
0: I mean it could have been someone that bid on the house and then laid in wait. To like see
3: yes. who was there. That's still fucking. But they terrifying. need to know the neighborhood children and how many there were if they were in the backyard oh, playing to with see, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To see unless which they ones just were th- some of the kids left and the there's three remaining in the backyard that were clearly their children. Yeah. who knows?
2: Yeah, could be that. But yeah, fucking even still that's still terrifying. Like, yeah, still, still so scary. Yeah, the envelope had no return address. Who am I? The person wrote. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends, welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in a cursive font, The Watcher. That is horrifying. So. Oh, my God. Get this. Here's what makes it scarier. When Derek Broaddus read this letter, it was after 10 p.m. and he was in the house alone.
3: Oh, no. Oh, no.
2: (laughs) No, no. He raced around the house turning off the lights so that nobody could see, see inside the house. Which would scare me. Like I would want the lights on, but I understand what he's doing. If the lights are on, people, people can, can see, see in. in. Yeah. But I can't imagine reading that and then sitting in the darkness. Like that, no, would, I, I would be it. so afraid. Um. Anyway, so so he runs around, turns off all the lights, and then he calls the Westfield Police Department. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, "Quote." What the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He asked Derek if he had enemies and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the watcher decided to try to toss it through a window. Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were living at their old home elsewhere in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, who was the couple that sold them 657 Boulevard, to ask if they had any idea who the watcher might be or why he or she had written. I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened, said one of the letters. So. What? He said like who or he or she, whoever the watcher was, yeah,
3: yeah. wrote in the letter, I asked the Woods. Like, yeah, Andrea, no, I g- yeah. I know. Oh, okay. So like <laughs> they're saying they, they basically like they're like, <clears throat> Did you give us this house <clears throat> because you knew that we wanted <clears throat> the the watcher wanted fucking young kids? Right. To do right. whatever. Right. Okay. So Andrea <sighs> Woods replied the next morning,
2: a few days before moving out, the Woodses had also received a letter from the watcher. The note had been odd, she said, and made similar mention of the Watchers family observing the house over time, but Andrea said she and her husband had never received anything like it in their 23 years in the house and had thrown the letter away without much thought. That day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station where Detective Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met, all of whom who were now suspects. The Broaddus has spent the coming weeks on high alert. Derek canceled a work trip, and whenever Maria took the kids to the new house, she would yell their names if they wandered into a corner of the yard. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block, he froze when the wife said, it would be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Oh, no. Like, you know, like, just like an innocent comment to me. No, of and course, of course. Fucking, like, your blood would run cold. Like, oh, <clears throat> The Broaddus' general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign that he had hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope, and she called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will.
3: Okay, so a few things here. Mm-hmm. At no point in these letters did they think to put up, like, Wi-Fi cameras or even wired cameras or anything, like, pointing towards the lawn and the sidewalk? Um, i I feel like I read somewhere that Derek does eventually put
2: up cameras. Okay. Uh, I don't think anything comes out of it though. right.
3: Okay. And yeah. also, the person is actually mailing these letters, not just putting it in their mailbox.
2: Um, I believe I, I don't know, actually. it doesn't say.
3: It doesn't say. Because if it, they're putting it in the mailbox, mm-hmm. then there's no reason why they can't catch them on camera. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It doesn't say if
2: uh, if it was mailed or if they had just placed them in there. I can't tell. Maybe yeah. we'll find out.
1: Okay.
2: So this time, the watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their names, though, as Mr. and Mrs. Bradis. Had the watcher been close enough to hear one of the Braddus' contractors addressing them? The watcher boasted of having learned a lot about the family in the preceding weeks, especially about their children. The letter identified the Broaddus' three kids by birth order and by their nicknames. The ones that Maria had been yelling when they would get, like, too close to the edge of their property. Oh, my God. I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood that you have brought me, it said. You certainly say their names often the letter asked about one child in particular who the letter had been seen had sorry who the writer had seen using an easel inside an enclosed porch is she the artist in the family the letter continued 657 boulevard is anxious for you to move in it has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house have you found all of the secrets it holds yet will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone I would be. I would be very afraid if I were them. It's far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Oh, my God. Who am I? I'm the Watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on, and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession, and now you are too, Broaddus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving-in day. You know I will be watching.
3: What the fuck? Okay. This person knew the Woods family. I I guess so. Like, and uh, the other family before that, apparently. Apparently. But, like, how do you prove that? Right. And, like... Whether or not they tormented the Woods family is, I guess, up for debate. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing that says – there was no evidence whatsoever that this person contacted them and said, I want you to move out or I need you to sell your home. Like nothing. There's nothing nothing there.
2: Yeah. The Woodses said that they just got one weird letter. At the very end, like right and before they moved. What did it say? They don't even say what it said. No, they didn't say what it said. They obviously got rid of it, so they probably couldn't, uh-huh. like, te- like read it to anybody. But um, they said – they mentioned that it did say something about the young blood or something like right, that. Right, right, uh, right. And talked about how he'd been watching for decades or right. she. I don't know why I'm assuming it's a he. Um, but, yeah. <sighs> So, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house after this letter. They were no longer sure when or if they would even move in. Several weeks later, a third letter arrived. Where have you gone to? The watcher wrote. 657 Boulevard is missing you. So, many Westfield residents compare their town to Mayberry, which is the idyllic setting for the Andy Griffith show the kind of place where a new neighbor might greet you with a welcoming note. (laughs) A welcoming note, (laughs) indeed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Westfield is 45 minutes from New York and a bit too slow for singles, meaning the town's 30,000 residents are largely well-to-do families. This year, Bloomberg ranked Westfield the 99th richest city in America, but only the 18th wealthiest in New Jersey. And in 2014, when the watcher struck, the website Neighborhood Scout named it the country's 30th safest town. Hmm. The most pressing local issues of late, according to residents, have been the temporary closure of Trader Joe's after a <laughs> roof collapse and the rampant, rampant scourge of unconstitutional policing, by which they mean aggressive parking enforcement. Westfield oh. is 86%
3: white. Yeah, that adds up. I would like to say that my family actually immigrated to New Jersey, and oh. I was going to be a uh, New Jersey
2: wow. uh,
3: turnpiker, but I uh, –
2: <laughs> Well, you're not now. <laughs> a little Jersey meatball, but um, – You're the New Jersey, like – What New Jersey is to New York, you're you're that like I'm that in Canada. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
3: (laughs) But they were like not taking any more immigrants at the time. Like they couldn't. Our family couldn't get sponsored by our family who had settled there. So I do. I have cousins who live in New Jersey.
2: Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Which yeah. You could have been the Watcher's BFF. I know. That's what what if you're the Watcher. What if it's you? Oh my god.
3: (laughs) Maybe I did. Maybe I blacked out and wrote <laughs> wrote all these letters.
2: One activity all the locals recognized as treacherous treacherous is trying to buy a house. There's a lot of money and a lot of ego. One resident who requested an on- anonymity before discussing Westfield real estate told the journalist, "I've seen bidding wars where friends lost by the three hundred thousand dollars. Hey, that was like me. I lost a house." <laughs> or no, I bid 300,000 over. Never mind.
3: <laughs> and you lost by 30. And I
2: lost by 30, not 300. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Thank God though. All Thank good. God.
2: Yeah. I got I got lucky. The Brodtis's house was on the boulevard, a wide tree-lined street with some of the more desirable homes in town. As the watcher had noted, the boulevard used to be the street to live on. You made it if you lived on the boulevard. Built in 1905, 657 Boulevard was perhaps the most grandest home on the block, and when the Woodses put it on the market, they had received multiple offers above their asking price. That led the Broadduses to initially suspect that the watcher might be someone who was upset over losing out on the house. But the Woodses said one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis, while another had already found a different home that they had
0: purchased.
4: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: In an email to the Broadduses, Andrea Woods proposed another theory. Would the mention of the contractor trucks and your children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood? So somebody who's watching... That's pissed off, maybe, about this. You can hear
3: you from your backyard yelling at your kids,
2: like yelling their names. Yeah. The letters did indicate proximity. They had been processed in Kearney, so it was mailed. See? There we go. Okay. They had been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Services Distribution Center in northern New Jersey. The first was postmarked June 4th, before the sale was public. The Woodses had never put up a for sale sign, and only a day after the contractors arrived, the renovations were mostly interior renovations, and people who live nearby say they didn't notice an unusual commotion, even from the jackhammering in the basement. When Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house, they showed him that the easel on the porch was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it difficult to see unless someone was behind the house or right next door. Mm-hmm. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner to the block. The Broadduses hadn't told anyone about the watcher, as the police had instructed, and found themselves scanning the party for clues while keeping tabs on their kids, who ran through a crowd that made up much of the suspect pool. We kept screaming at them to stay close, Maria said. People must have thought we were crazy. I wouldn't. Okay, I don't mean to be judgmental because I don't want to sound like this is in any way their fault because it's not. Yeah. But like, if you're if your neighbors were all suspects and they're inviting you to a barbecue and you're gonna go because you're like, I'm gonna look these fuckers in the face. Totally. Right?
3: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: I'd I'd go, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring my son.
3: No, I wouldn't bring my kids. I would. Wouldn't bring
2: them. You stay at grandma's house. Like you go stay at grandma's, and I'm going to the barbecue with dad.
3: Yeah, it's possible that whoever invited them was like, "Oh, bring the kids. My kids would love to meet, like, be like have some yeah. have kids around. Who knows? Who knows? Fine. The circumstances. I would have where made up they some they type felt... of excuse. They were sick. They're at their totally. grandma's. Right? Totally, I I agree. Because yeah, you're not going to be able to just like control them the whole time. And exactly. It would just distract you anyway from
2: right exactly
3: figuring shit out if you
2: right. Couldn't. So, at one point, Derek was chatting with John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her mid-90s, and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. The family was a bit odd, Schmidt said, but they were harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway, as kind of a Boo Radley character. Derek thought the case was solved. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 60s when the watcher's father, the letters had said, had begun observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades.
3: Right.
2: When the Broaddus's told Lugo about the family, he said he already knew, and a week after the first letter arrived, he brought Michael Langford to police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broaddus's say that Lugo told them that the narrative of what he said matched things that, me- that were mentioned in the letters. This isn't CSI Westfield, Lugo later told the Broadduses. When the wife is dead, it's the husband. But there wasn't much hard evidence, and after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broadduses that, short of an admission, there wasn't much the department could do. This is someone who threatened my kids, and the police are saying, "Mm, nothing's probably going to happen, Derek said, probably isn't good enough for me. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, he, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. You go, Derek. Hmm. This person attacked my family, and where I'm from, if you do that, you get your ass beat, Derek told me. <laughs> he sounds like he's from Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> Frustrated, the Broadduses began their own investigation. Derek became especially obsessed. He set up webcams in 657 Boulevard and spent nights crouched in the dark watching to see if anyone was watching the house at close range. Mm-hmm. Maria thought I was crazy. He told uh, the journalist recently at a coffee shop in Manhattan where he covered a table with documents relating to the case, including copies of the letters which he and his wife had shared with only a few friends and family members. He showed the journalist a map displaying when each of 657's neighbors had moved in. The Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s with overlays marking possible sight lines for the easel and a circle for approximate range of earshot to estimate who might have heard Maria yelling their kids' names. Only a few homes fit both the criteria. The Broadduses also turned to several experts. They employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords, but didn't find anything noteworthy. Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who had served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in The Silence of the Lambs they were on a high school board Damn. of trustees together okay, and they also hired Robert Lenihan another former FBI agent to conduct a threat assessment lenihan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an old writer the envelope was addressed to m/m braddis the salutations included the day's weather warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day, and the sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literary panache, with suggest- which suggested a voracious reader and a surprising lack of profanity given the level of anger, which Lenehan thought meant a less macho writer. Maybe, he wondered, the Watcher had seen The Watcher, starring Keanu Reeves as a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. Lenahan didn't think the watcher was likely to act on the threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain erraticism. The first letter was dated Tuesday, June 4th, but that day was a Wednesday. There was also a seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. The watcher was upset by new money moving into town. Right. And they said, like in one of the letters, are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield?
3: This and is just the- reminding me of Kim- Kimmy Schmidt and that lady who keeps trying to run like the hipsters away from her. Yes. And gentrification <laughs> from happening in her freaking yes. area. Yes. Um, oh
2: my god. And then they wrote about the Broaddus's relatively modest renovations. Like of course sorry I'm just gonna say of course when you buy a new house you're gonna renovate the inside. Like you're gonna do something to the inside right? Like Sure. I you made changes I mean, to yours when you got a house. I redid my house when I bought it. And I mean, yeah, to your own
3: taste. Own like taste. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: So they wrote about the the meta- the renovations. The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it oh, so fancy. My God, you are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. This makes me wonder if the grandfather and father were some type of landscapers for the property, some type of hired help for people who lived there decades ago. Possibly,
3: possibly. But then
2: what like but then the whole thing about like you can't see the easel from the street. It needs to be from certain angles and shit points to a neighbor. So like Right. I'm- who
3: who okay like all I can think is that it was old money. Like one of their neighbors is comes from Old money, or whatever, and maybe squandered a lot of that money, or had lots of children and couldn't distribute their wealth to the majority of them, like in a, a significant like amount, that old right? lady, like a the bunch old of lady with a bunch with of kids. Yeah, so she like right. So if that old lady's got like six kids who she lives with, or three kids who she lives with, and maybe other kids that have moved out. Mm-hmm. That one might be like, okay, well, my inheritance isn't going to be very big, and I'm never going to see like the wealth, and maybe they just didn't have, you know, a career or anything. And I deserve it because I, I deserve here. it because I come from, yeah. yeah. And it makes sense that they would have visited the property and ran around and were friends with the with the neighbors. previous neighbor, yeah, right, with the previous owners, yeah.
2: Let's see. So Lenahan recommended looking into former housekeepers or their descendants. So what I was thinking, yeah, perhaps the watcher was jealous that the Bradises had bought a home. At that the writer couldn't afford. But the focus remained on the Langfords. In cooperation with Westfield police, the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response. But nothing happened. Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, but got nowhere, and his sister, Abby, accused the police of harassing their family. Eventually, the Broaddus's hired Lee Levitt, a lawyer who met with several members of the Langford family, as well as their attorney, to show them the letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. The meeting grew tense, Levitt told the journalist, and the Langfords insisted Michael was innocent. One night, Derek had a dream in which he confronted Peggy, who was the eldest Langford and demanded she build an eight-foot fence between the properties. Maria was having other kinds of dreams. One night, she woke up to an especially vivid one about a man who lived nearby. He was wearing these boots and carrying a pitchfork and calling to the kids, and I couldn't get to them in time, Maria said. She thought almost anyone could be the watcher, which made daily life feel like navigating a labyrinth of threats. She probed the faces of shoppers at Trader Joe's to see if they looked strangely at her kids, and and spent hours googling anyone who seemed suspicious. There were reasons to consider other suspects. For one thing, the police spoke to Michael before the second letter was sent, which would make sending two more especially reckless. The Broadduses say that Lugo told them they wouldn't receive any more letters after he spoke to Michael. Then there was the rest of the neighborhood to consider. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks bill woodward oh. the, yes bill woodward the brodiss's house painter had also noticed something strange the couple behind 657 boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the brodiss's property one day i was looking out the window and i saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs he wasn't facing his house he was facing the brodiss's house weird But by the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. The watcher had left no digital trail, no footprints, and no way to place someone at the scene of a crime that could have been hatched from pretty much any mailbox in northern New Jersey. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed as the nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. It was like trying to find a needle in a haystack, said Scott Krause, who helped investigate the case for the Union County Prosecutor's Office. In December, the Westfield police told the Broadduses they had run out of options. Derek showed his letters to his priest, who agreed he would come to bless the house. The renovations to 657 Boulevard included a new alarm system, and they were finishing within a few months, but the idea of moving in filled the Broadduses with overwhelming anxiety. Could they let their kids play outside or have friends over? Would they get a new letter every week? Derek priced out trained German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans. All you have to do is work out in the backyard every day. But the Broadduses hadn't bought 657 to feel bunkered in a fortress. At the end of the day, it came down to, what are you willing to risk, Maria said. We weren't going to put our kids in harm's way. Derek had been responding to occasional alarms at the house, sometimes in the middle of the night, bringing a knife with him just in case. They were just so joyous about their new home, and then within days, they were petrified. Bill Woodward, the painter, said, I'm a stranger, and Maria was crying and shaking in my arms. It didn't help that the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. And then uh, there was another letter. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs your, needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. The Broadduses had sold their old home, so they moved in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. I had to do things like shovel the driveway, Derek said. Just picture that little indignity. I'd go at five in the morning, then come back and do it again at my in-law's. They told only a handful of friends about the letters, which left others to ask why they weren't moving in legal issues. They said, Mm -hmm. and wonder if they were getting divorced. They fought constantly and started taking medication to fall asleep. I was a depressed wreck. Derek said, Maria decided to see a therapist after a routine doctor's visit that began with the question, how are you? And that caused her to burst into tears. The therapist said she was suffering post-traumatic stress that wouldn't go away. Until they got rid of that house. I agree. I don't think I could live there after that.
3: No. No.
2: Six months after the letters arrived, the Broadduses decided to sell. They initially listed it for more than what they paid to reflect the renovations they had done. Mm -hmm. But few worlds were more gossipy than the suburban New Jersey real estate. And rumors had already begun to swirl about why the house sat empty. One broker emailed to say her client loved it but that there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around, ranging from sexual predator to stalkers, that they needed to know more. (sighs) The Broaddus' sent a a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to the interested buyers and told Coldwell Banker, their realtor, that they intended to show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. Several preliminary bids came in, well below the asking price, But the Broadduses weren't ready to take such a financial hit and only wanted to share the letters with the likely buyers. Sure. But no one got that far. Even after they lowered the price, a Coldwell agent who hadn't read the letters told them in an email that they were being unnecessarily forthcoming. And they said, My friend got horrible threatening letters about her Mm. dog barking and she didn't think to disclose. But the Broadduses insisted, I don't know how you live through what we did and think that you could do that to somebody else. Like, I agree. If somebody was sitting here threatening my son and then a family mm-hmm. with kids moved in, I'd be like, yeah. no, like, be careful because somebody's watching you.
3: Derek yeah, and Maria. Yeah, you want
2: every- – yeah. Go ahead. Sorry.
3: No, I was I was just gonna say. I mean, it's it's just like disclosing anything against your safety in a home. Like you're supposed to. That's why there's yeah. inspections. Like this is the this is, this is your life at risk. Like by someone yes. who's stalking. I think it's I think it's Mm-mm. ethically and legally you need to disclose that kind of shit.
2: I agree. Derek and Maria thought about what they would have done had the previous owners told them about their letter from the watcher. The Woodses, both retired scientists told the Bradises that they remembered the letter they received as more strange than threatening, thanking them for taking care of the house. They never had any issues, and we certainly never felt watched, Andrea told them. They rarely even locked their doors. But the Bradises felt the name alone was ominous enough to merit mentioning to a new family moving in. And on June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying 657 Boulevard, They filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, arguing that the Woodses should have disclosed the letter, just as they had, the fact that water sometimes got in the basement. The Broadduses say they hope to reach a quiet settlement. Their kids still didn't know about the Watcher, and their lawyer assured them that, at most, a small legal newswire might pick up the story. We do some creepy stories, Tamron Hall said on the Today Show a few weeks later. (laughs) This might be top 10 creepy. A local reporter had found the complaint, which included snippets of the watcher's menacing threats, and after a belated attempt by the Broadduses to seal it, the story ended up going viral. News trucks camped out at 657 Boulevard, and one local reporter set up a lawn chair to conduct his own watch. The Broadduses got more than 300 media requests, but with advice from a crisis management consultant referred by one of Derek's colleagues, They decided not to speak publicly to spare their children even more attention. They vacated Westfield and went to a friend's beach house. They didn't find much peace. Maria's grandfather had a heart attack, and the friend they were staying with had a grand mal seizure. Eventually, Derek and Maria sat down with their children to explain the real reason they hadn't moved into their home. The kids had plenty of questions. Who's the watcher? Where does this person live? Why is the person angry with us? to which Derek and Maria had few answers. Can you imagine having that conversation with a five-year-old? Derek said, your town isn't as safe as you think it is, and there's a boogeyman who is obsessed with you. Oh, shit. From a safer distance, the Watcher was a real-life mystery to solve. A commenter on NJ.com suggested ground-penetrating radar to find whatever the Watcher claimed was in the walls. The home inspector had already looked and told Derek the only issue was the aging home's lack of insulation. A group of Reddit users obsessed over Google Maps Street View, which showed a car parked in front of 657 that one user thought had a man holding a camera in the driver's seat. Others more rationally saw a pixelated glare. The range of proposed suspects included a jilted mistress, a spurned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, Guerrilla marketing for a horror movie and mall goths having fun. Some people just thought the Broadduses were wimps for not moving in. I would never let this sicko stop me from moving into a house. Never back down from a terrorist, which irked the Broadduses. None of them had read the letters or had their children threatened by someone they didn't know, said Derek. To decide whether this person is only nuts enough to write the letters and not do something, what if something did happen? In Westfield, people were on edge. Lori Clancy, who teaches piano lessons in her house behind 657, told me one of her students came for a lesson shortly after the news of the watcher broke and started crying. She was scared to even walk down the boulevard. At the first Westfield Town Council meeting after the letters became public, the mayor, Andy Skibitsky assured the public that the watcher hadn't been heard from in a year and that even though the police hadn't solved the case, their investigation had been exhaustive. This was news to 657's neighbors most of whom had never heard from the cops. We are confounded as to how a thorough investigation can be t- conducted without talking to all of the neighbors with proximity to the home. Yeah, that's, Several that's of them wrote the in a letter.
3: Part that I don't understand, I feel like they concentrated right. on one or two and like did not do any further digging.
2: Right. right um under the glare of national attention they sorry they literally looked at that one family and was like that dude looks creepy it's probably him
3: right like that which sure but also look elsewhere like yeah that should have been a widespread investigation not limited to one i i understand why they investigated them but like to just uh, i don't know resources i guess i guess
2: under the glare of national attention, Baron Shambliss, a veteran detective in the Westfield police, was asked to look at the case. The Broadduses are victims, and I don't think they got the support they needed, Shambliss said, uh, Who and he has since retired, just so you know. Shambliss knew his colleagues had looked closely at Michael Langford. According to his brother, San- Sandy Langford, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a long as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did strange things, like walk through their backyards or peek into the windows of homes that were being renovated. Mm. But those who knew him told the journalist that the odd things he did were mostly just unusual neighborly kindness.
3: Okay. He goes out
2: and gets the newspapers for me every morning, said John Schmidt, who lives next door. People who had known Michael for decades told me they didn't think he was capable of writing the letters.
3: I mean schizophrenia is a pretty severe disorder that right is not like you can't really say that person isn't capable right when people can literally do pretty gruesome things yeah however writing them down constantly like I don't know if that's if they can consistently I don't know enough about that to know right. whether or not they would be able to consistently keep up like a recurring storyline. I guess, yeah. I don't know for sure, but I have done a lot of research into that illness because mm-hmm. of past relationships who borderlined mm-hmm. on schizoid tendencies, and mm-hmm. they're they're capable of, of. I mean, they're capable of lo- a lot of things that you don't know, <clears throat> right? So as Shambliss
2: looked into the case, he discovered something surprising. Investigators had eventually conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes mm-hmm. and determined that the DNA
3: belonged to a woman. I was gonna say this. Oh my god. Okay, at the beginning, I was like, I believe this is the 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 sister of Michael.
2: okay okay yeah shambliss decided to look more closely at abby langford so just okay. like you michael's okay. sister who worked as a real estate agent was she upset about missing a commission right next door She also worked at the local Lord & Taylor, and Shambliss coordinated with a security guard there to nab her plastic water bottle during a shift. (laughs) But Shambliss says the DNA sample was not a match. I thought it was the oldest, to be completely honest. But who knows? Not long after, the prosecutor's office gave Derek and Maria some unexpected news. They wouldn't say why or how, but they had ruled out the Langfords as suspects altogether. Okay. Okay. The Broadises were stunned. They had recently told the prosecutors that they planned to file civil charges against the Langfords and wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up again. Mm-hmm. My family moved to the boulevard in 1961 and we never caused a problem for anybody, Sandy Langford told the journalist. This guy gets all these letters and all of a sudden people are pointing fingers. Left without a suspect, the broadises reopened their personal investigation They were still coy about sharing too much with their neighbors who remained in the pool of suspects, but spent an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. They hoped someone might recognize the writing from a Christmas card, but the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 657 said his son joked that the watcher sounded a little bit like him. A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Kroll, the security firm. And the Broadduses hired the company to look for handwriting matches, but they found nothing. They also hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and former member of the band Shanana, who didn't (laughs) find, like what a resume, who didn't find any noteworthy overlap when he scored the local online forums for similarities to the Watcher's writing. Although he did think the author might watch Game of Thrones. Jon Snow is one of the Watchers on the wall. Uh. At one point, Derek persuaded a friend in tech to connect him to a hacker willing to try breaking into Wi-Fi networks in the neighborhood to look for incriminating documents. But doing so turned out to be both illegal and more difficult than the movies (laughs) make it seem, so they didn't go through with it. Mm -hmm.
3: I would have gone through with it. Totally illegal, though. And they couldn't (laughs) present that evidence if they found it.
2: Nope. Shambliss and the Westfield police were also back at square one the cops asked Andrea Woods for a DNA sample and interviewed her 21-year-old son who was surprised to find that he suddenly seemed to be a suspect. A year after the fact, it was hard to find fresh leads and the initial police canvas had been so porous that it had missed a significant clue. Around the same time that the Broadduses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. Stop it. Mm Mm-hmm. The parents of that family had lived in the house for years, and their kids were grown, so they threw the letter away just as the Woodses had, but after the news broke, one of their children had posted about it on Facebook, but then deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Broaddus's, but its existence only made the case more confusing. There wasn't a whole lot to go on, Shambliss told me. One night, Shambliss and a partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on the boulevard, watching the house through a pair of binoculars. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for Shambliss to grow suspicious. He says he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block. The woman told Shambliss her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including, in Shambliss's memory, one in which he was playing as a specific character the Watcher. As for female DNA, Shambliss figured the girlfriend or someone else could have helped lick the envelope. The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Shambliss says he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. He didn't show up to either of them. Shambliss didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear, and with the media attention dying down, he dropped the case and moved on. While the Broadduses continued to be consumed by stress and fear for the rest of Westfield, the story became little more than a creepy urban legend, a house to walk by on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had lived in the house before the Woodses could recall anything unusual, and it was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighborhood could be host to something so sinister. A woman who lived nearby told the, the journalist after the news broke, that she and 10 or so of her neighbors had gathered in the street to puzzle out who might have sent the letters. Hmm. Eventually, she said, they came to a consensus. Maybe the Broadduses had sent the letters to themselves.
3: That also crossed my mind, but that's insane.
2: Right. That the, is I, insane. I don't think so. Why? To take a three hundred dollars or to more than a $300,000 loss? loss on no. their home? In their dream home? Yeah, come Not on. Not a chance. The theory, so far as it went was that the Broadises had suffered buyer's remorse or realized they couldn't afford the home and concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Oh. Or Derek was cooking up some Stunning. kind of insurance fraud. Or they were angling for a movie deal. The Broadises received several offers but turned them down. Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher, despite a cease and desist letter from the Broaddises, <laughs> arguing that the couple in its movie was biracial and the letters were signed The Raven. So it wasn't the same. Oh my Some God. Some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Broaddises had upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $770,000 house to a $1.3 million one and refinanced their mortgages. I don't find that that. I don't find it that that surprising. In ten years, girl, like I went. Yeah, from Yeah, no,
3: I think that's pretty. I mean, that's, that's that is yeah, that's a that's, big jump. But also, if his career was taking off, and yeah, they were I don't able find to that weird. No, that's not that crazy. That's I don't not think that's crazy to double the value of to go from doubling the value of your house in in one leap is a, is quite extreme. However, if your salary has tripled. Yeah. Then that's not that crazy. Yeah, and also
2: thinking about like just about housing prices. Like, yeah, the house I bought was three hundred and fifteen thousand, but sure, I could buy one sure. that's only a little bit better. But right. The housing prices have gone crazy, so now it looks like I bought one that was double the amount.
3: Yeah. No, for sure. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm.
2: Anyway. A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Broadduses kept renovating a home that they were not moving into or questioning whether they had really done that much renovating at all. The leader even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing as evidence the fact that she had a public Facebook page with a photo of her kids. The paper did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA and it did not match. Mm -hmm. None of the theories made much logical sense. The Broadduses had answers to every question. How does someone go from – here we go. How does someone go from a $300,000 house to a $1.3 million house in 10 years? Derek Derek told them, it's America. (laughs) Hmm.
3: I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's not wrong. (laughs) In 10 years – so in five years, in less than Mm -hmm. five years, my Mm -hmm. home – is worth $500,000 more than when I bought it. I yeah. mean, I don't think that this conditions are the same right. as them, but he's also 40 years old. Usually right. careers and money starts to trickle in when you're in your like for, around your middle age, right? Like He's a senior
2: vice president at an insurance company. He's
3: making probably He's making a, a, half a million dollars a year probably.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but they weren't speaking publicy- publicly and the rumors persisted. So like, th- like the Broadduses weren't talking about this publicly. Ble- publicly. Yeah. He just said it to this one journalist that he did agree to speak to. Mm-hmm. One Boulevard resident wrote a letter to the editor arguing that an elaborate scheme is underway to defraud the Woods family for millions of dollars. Shambliss told me some Westfield cops even bought into the theory. There were even more skeptics online. I live in a neighboring town. If these letters had been happening for a while, there is no doubt in my mind that it would have been made public way before this.
3: Sure.
2: Um, the This screams of a scam. The Broadduses hadn't known how their neighbors would react to the news about the Watcher, but they had lived in the area for a decade, and Maria's family had been a part of the community for much longer. So it was shocking to find themselves accused of being con artists. To Derek, it seemed that some in Westfield preferred the conspiracy theory to considering whether their town, be, their town might be home to a menace. There's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years and nothing's happened to me, Derek said. What happened to my family is an affront to their contention that they're safe, that there's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe that this could happen in Westfield. While Maria looks back fondly on her childhood— she was born a few years after Westfield resident John List infamously murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their home, and remembers a period when she and other kids were warned to look out for a strange van driving around town. My mother always told me, don't have a false sense of security, she said. It wasn't that bad things were going on all the time. It was that bad things ca- can happen anywhere. She didn't want me to think, of, think that this was Maybury. Many locals I spoke to, did, so the journalist, many locals I spoke to did seem more concerned that the national press might ruin Westfield's good name. Some were primarily worried about arson or vandalism or whether the Broadduses would maintain the lawn. They did. Mark Logrippo, the neighborhood's representative on the Westfield Town Council, told the journalist that the primary concern he heard from residents was that they were worried about their property value and the stigma of the neighborhood. The Broadduses were suddenly outcasts, not only from their home, but also from their town. Derek wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria insisted on not uprooting the kids. This person took so much from us, I wouldn't let them take more. Two years after the watcher's letters arrived, the Broadduses borrowed money from their family members to buy a second home in Westfield, using an LLC to keep the location private. But staying in town was stressful. The first time Maria let her daughter go to the pool with friends, she stared at the tracker on her daughter's iPhone the whole time. One of their kids was in language arts class when the teacher led a debate about whether the family in a book they were reading should move to Westfield. The class thought they should, in part because of how safe it was. Afterward, one of the kids told the Broaddus' child, My parents told me that no matter what your family says, Westfield is safe. Meanwhile, the Broadduses still had to figure out what to do with 657 Boulevard. Their lawsuit was pending, but seemed unlikely to succeed. Some states require sellers to disclose transient social conditions, like murders or possible hauntings. In a 1991 case involving an allegedly ghost-filled house, a New York court ruled that, as a matter of law, the house is haunted. But new Jer- We should do that story. But New Jersey had no such regulation. Hmm. A judge later dismissed the lawsuit. The Woodses, through their attorney, declined to comment for the story. Derek looked into renting the house to the Department of Veterans Affairs and a company that runs halfway homes. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market, hoping it might garner more interest, given how many people had reacted to the letters by saying they would have ignored them and just moved in. The Broadduses held a well-attended open house, after which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in and comparing their handwriting to the watchers. But each time a potential buyer expressed interest and met with the Broaddus' lawyer to read the letters, they backed out. Some cocky guy from Staten Island said, Fuck it. I'm going to get a house at a discount, Derek recalled. He reads the letters, and we never hear from him again. Feeling as if they were out of options, the Broaddus' real estate lawyer proposed an idea sell the house to a developer who could tear it down, split the property into two sellable homes. Mm. They thought they could get a million for the lot. Subdivisions like this had become common in Westfield, much to the chagrin of many locals, and 657 was one of the neighborhood's largest lots. Even so, dividing it would require the Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception. The two smaller lots would be 67.4 and 67.6 feet wide, just shy of the mandated 70 feet. When Jesus. the proposal was announced, Westfield Facebook groups lit up. Some expressed sympathy for the Broadduses, while others pointed out that real estate is always a gamble. Okay, yeah, real estate's always a gamble, but not, not mm-hmm. like... Not
3: like In, this. in terms not of like, like the
2: foundation could be cracked or something. Yeah, that's not, not the same. Not in terms of fucking somebody threatening you and your children's life. Come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Another faction was convinced that this was the culmination of a long con. Out of this whole scam artist story, there ends up being nothing more disturbing than this move, a local woman said. A man who coached the broadest's son in football wrote, They were in over their head from day one. The application was jarring for the neighbors who had learned about the watcher from a lawsuit. And had always found it strange that the Broadises didn't share more information, not seeming to understand they were following orders from the police right. and trying to protect their children. A typical Facebook conversation went like this one. Sounds like this whole Watcher thing was a ploy. The owners are good people. It's not a ploy. Okay. I know nothing about them. <laughs> Kristen, like, okay. Kristen Kemp, who was a friend of the Broadises, had tried to defend them on one Facebook forum but people started attacking her. Somebody asked, how do we know it's not you writing the letters? When the planning board met to decide the application in January 2017, it had already devoted a three-hour hearing to the issue. More than 100 residents showed up. One of them, who lived across the street and had a daughter in the same grade as one of the Broaddus' kids, had retained a lawyer to fight the proposal. Here was a new suspect. Who but the watcher would go so far as to hire an attorney to preserve the house? Right. After a quick discussion about a Wells Fargo branch that wanted to use brighter light bulbs than, than the town allowed, the room grew as tense as suburban planning board meetings get. James Forst, the Broadus's attorney, explained that the three-foot exemption was as narrow as the easel he was using to display a map of the neighborhood a map that showed several lots on the block that were also too small the neighbors expressed concerns that the plan might require knocking down trees and that the new homes would have aesthetically unpleasing front-facing garages forrest repeatedly threatened the halfway house as a possible alternative that's greasy that's gross that yeah. i don't like that that's really that's really gross like, oh, you rich people don't want to let us split it into two lots. Well, we can get people who are down on their luck in some of the worst situations they've ever been in their lives because of their sickness to come and live here oh instead. My God. Oh, How my God.
3: How fucking
2: gross is that? I'm sorry. I did not like reading that. <sighs> After the lawyers, a parade of neighbors stood to speak. Glenn Dumont from across the street said the proposal would spell the end of the 600 block boulevard as we know it a woman whose kids had been to the broadest's old home for a birthday party spoke on behalf of nine neighbors and presented 657 boulevard as westfield's alamo our neighbors are constantly under attack from turf lights parking decks you name it she said if we can't make a stand on boulevard where can we At one point, Abby Langford stood up to say she had spent almost 60 years looking at a magnificent, beautiful house and didn't want to be looking out at a driveway. The hearing lasted four hours, during which there was little discussion of the reason the Broadduses had been driven to tear down their dream home in the first place. Has anybody thought about whether or not this lunatic who did this has been apprehended? Said Tom Higgins, who lived across the street toward the end of the hearing. Even so, Higgins pointed out that there was no guarantee the watcher wouldn't send letters to the two new houses and argued that aesthetics should rule the day. Putting up two houses there is going to stick out like an old client of mine in Texas told me, Higgins said. It's going to stick out like a dog's balls. (laughs) (laughs) While some of the neighbors expressed compassion, their focus remained on what the broadest did to gain financially and what they themselves might lose. At 11.30 p.m., the board unanimously rejected the proposal. A New Jersey judge later denied the Broaddus' appeal of the decision. Derek and Maria were distraught. Even if the plan, I would fucking demolish that house so quickly and sell it as one lot and be like, now I'm being petty. Fuck you guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I would fucking demolish that house, concrete the entire lot. Sell it as a parking lot. Fuck you guys. I mean, that's commercial, right? I don't think they'd be that. I know. To do I'm that, just but. being an ass. But yeah. Yeah. Derek and Maria were distraught. Even if the plan had gone through, it would have only staunched their financial bleeding. On top of the mortgage and renovations, they have paid around $100,000 in Westfield property taxes. Holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. The town denied their request for relief and spent at least that amount investigating the watcher and exploring ways to deal with the home, not to mention cleaning the gutters. The Broadduses recognized that 657 Boulevard was a beautiful house on a beautiful street that was worth maintaining, but were surprised that their neighbors didn't see the uniqueness of the situation. This is my town, Maria said. I grew up here. I came back. I chose to raise my kids here. You know what we've been through. You had the ability two and a half years into a nightmare to make it a little better. And you have decided that this house is more important than we are. That's really how it felt. Mm. On top of all of that, her dad had recently passed away unexpectedly.
3: Oh, fuck.
2: Father Michael Saparito, the priest who blessed the house, went to one of the planning board meetings and said that he was taken aback by how many people had come up to him and said they thought the whole thing was a hoax. I think the human element of the story was kind of lost on the neighbors, Saporito said. The watcher had expressed a desire to protect the boulevard from change, but instead it had been torn
0: apart
4: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Not long after the planning board's decision, the Broaddus got some good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs had agreed to rent 657 hmm. Boulevard. The renter told Star Ledger that he wasn't worried about the watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in case of another letter. Sure. Two weeks later, Derek went to 657 to deal with squirrels that had taken up residence in the roof the renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. No, uh... Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. This letter, two and a half years after the watcher appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th, the day the Broadduses gave depositions in their lawsuits against the Woodses. You wonder who the watcher is? Turn around, idiots, the letter read. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the watcher could be, or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. The letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others, and it seemed the writer had been closely following the story. They had seen the media coverage. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood, and you mocked me. Derek's surreptitious investigatory efforts. I watched as you watched me from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. And the attempt to tear down the house. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates, the letter read. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T they carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 boulevard with my orders all hail the watcher the
3: okay so this person this person clearly has like some sort of grandeur education no oh yes okay like yes. there's no way that someone is just like rent you know that they've they have a way with words yeah, so like yeah. i mean there's definitely I feel like it's like an affluent person in the area. Yeah, it's a, it's a. I think it's one of the rich neighbors that's a fucking
2: psychopath. You must be. It just and must like, be. Doesn't want new people moving into the
3: neighborhood. Into their old, into they their old money want, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's like they want like a certain pedigree of person. Yeah, yeah. That's how. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Right. Yeah. And this guy who's from out east that was making like no money before totally moved his way up isn't the pedigree that we want here. Mm-hmm. Even though his wife is from here. Right. Um, the renter was mentioned in the letters. He was spooked but agreed to stay if the Broaddesses installed cameras around the house. And the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms maybe a car accident, maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you fall sick day after day after day after day. Wow. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die.
3: Oh Clans my God. And
2: cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. It was like we were back at the beginning, said Maria, but it also meant fresh evidence that might help invigorate the investigation. Derek took the letter to police headquarters where a detective looked at a neighborhood map and traced a circle around the house 300 yards in diameter, suggesting the watcher must be somewhere in there. What? Derek- What? What, Where did that number- What did that come from? I don't know. It doesn't say it. It just says that they're saying it has to be within this- within here.
3: Okay. Derek drew
2: one much closer. In my view, it's one of 10 houses in the world. The Broaddises continued to press the case, but there still wasn't much for law enforcement to go on. Okay, like you have DNA. Fucking round up the closest houses, start there and be like, we're doing DNA. Who totally. wants to volunteer it? Mm-hmm. Like they can't force them to, but who wants to volunteer the DNA anyway? And
3: whoever doesn't.
2: Right. Then we take Carter <laughs> looks into them. Yeah. The- the broadshes continued to press the case but there still wasn't much for law enforcement to go on and it was possible to look up and down the street and see the watcher and pr- practically anyone residents mentioned to me to the journalist a teenager whose father had grown up around the corner and a man who sometimes walked around the neighborhood playing a flute an oh, fucking this neighborhood, neighborhood is weird an, oh, like, seriously An elderly couple behind the house had been there for 47 years. The husband was the man Bill Woodward had seen sitting in a lawn chair looking at the Broaddus' house. Mm -hmm. Um, One of their kids had married a man who grew up in, of all places, 657 Boulevard. But these were bits of information that could mean everything or nothing depending on how hard you looked at them. The Broadduses sent new names to the investigators whenever they found something odd but their greatest fear was that the watcher could be someone that they'd never suspect. One day last spring, Derek picked the journalist up at the Westfield train station. They drove past 657 Boulevard, which he and Maria try to avoid unless they have to pick up the tax bill. "'It's all beautiful trees and beautiful houses, but all I feel is anxious,' Derek said. "'Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, "'what would my life be like if this didn't happen?' We lost Christmas a couple times and you don't get that back, Christmas with a 5-year-old. The Braduses no longer live in ever-present fear that the watcher might strike at any moment, but they continue to deal with lingering effects from the letters. They have a new tenant at 657, but the rent doesn't cover the mortgage. Their kids
3: Shit. are occasional like that fucking sucks. That sucks.
2: So they're kids- paying
3: for that place still yep. even without we even with rent. Yep.
2: I think maybe now that this uh, that this Netflix show is coming out that maybe they'll try and sell it again and they might get more money now. But
3: I mean, they've probably sold the rights to the story too, so they probably made yeah, enough yeah. money anyway.
2: Yeah, you're right. Um their kids are occasionally teased at school, which I find really fucking weird. upsetting.
3: That's weird cuz that's coming yeah. from parents.
2: Right? Yeah. The conspirational rumors persist. They try to avoid the people who spoke out against their planning board application or accuse them of being con artists, but suburban life makes it impossible. I see these people on the soccer field at the train station and my heart starts going like it did when I played hockey and I was about to get in a fight, Derek said. When Maria found herself in a spin class at the YMCA with the head of the planning board, she went up afterward and told him, you continue to hurt my family every day. Earlier this year, the planning board approved splitting a lot around the corner that required an even larger exception than oh the bronze Oh my god! What the fuck? Yeah. Most people, I, I'm now. I'm convinced it's the whole town against. Like, it's the whole town is in on this. Yeah, they just didn't
3: want those people to <laughs> yeah. live there. There was something that they didn't like about it. They were They're fucking a cult. Yeah, they've They're got. A cult. Yeah, they've got their own little group of people that didn't. Who yeah. knows. That we're sending these letters and just – it has to be local because it's not like these letters are following them everywhere they go. Yep.
2: So most people in Westfield say that they rarely thought of the Watcher anymore. The real estate market was doing fine and many were surprised to find out the Broadduses were still dealing with the problem. Hindsight made Derek and Maria wonder if they should have sold the house at a loss early on and 657 conjured too much emotional pain for them to ever consider moving in they hope that in a few years of rent or they hope that a few years of renting the place without incident will help them sell it yeah the prosecutor's office was continuing its investigation but the broduss knew it was unlikely that the watcher would ever be caught and that the legal punishment would likely be minimal the watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters in westfield Oh, my God. Of course it inspired copycats, right? Yeah. Last Christmas Eve, several families received an envelope in their mailboxes. They had been delivered by hand to the homes of people who had been the most vocal in criticizing the Broadduses online. One of them, who lived a few blocks down on Boulevard, had written on Facebook, I wish we could go back to the days of tar and feathers. I have just the couple in mind. Another family who got the letter told me it was weirdly poetic, as the Watchers had been, and that it accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Broadduses. It included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. The typed letters were signed, Friends of the Broadus Family. The letter writer had clearly been infected, not only with the Watchers' penchant for anonymous notes but also a simmering resentment, one that had snaked its way through Westfield, making enemies of neighbors. The people who received the letters didn't know who sent them, but the tone had a familiar ring. When I asked Derek Broadus whether he had written them, he paused for a moment and then admitted that he had. He wasn't proud of it. He oh, hadn't my God. He even told his wife. Not, not the watcher letters. The yeah, letters- I know. I know. I know. I know. Okay, I know. okay. I know. okay. okay good. Um, He wasn't proud of it. He hadn't even told his wife and said they were the only anonymous letters that he had written, but he had felt driven to his wit's end, fed up with watching silently as people threw accusations at his family based on practically nothing. Mm. One of the people who received the letter told me they had never met the Braddises and had no interest in doing so. The watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard, and Derek, in turn, had become obsessed with the watcher and everything the letters had set in motion. It's like cancer, he told me. We think about it every day. Sitting at the Westfield train station, Derek handed his phone to the journalists so that they could read the fourth letter. So this was the fourth letter that the watcher had sent. You are despised by the house, it read. And the watcher won. And that is what we have about the Watcher. That's Holy the
3: article that I. Read. I need. I need to know who fucking did this. Me too. Like part of me feels like it. Like if he was really, really stressed out at work and was like potentially going through some sort of like psychotic, not even psychotic, just like a breakdown of some kind. Sure. He could have concocted this entire scenario for himself. Sure. And and maybe felt like he wasn't as financially stable or wasn't as financially, you know, capable of what he had promised his wife. It doesn't make sense to me. But it doesn't make sense in so many still, other ways, in so many other ways.
2: Because he would have just sold the house at a loss, gotten a smaller house, and dealt with it. But he's still holding on to the house. He's renting it, still at a loss.
3: He's yeah, still, but he's hoping to sell it eventually at a Yeah, profit. you're right. You're right. So – You're right. He wasn't really willing to sell it at a loss. And he really That's wasn't true. willing to lose anything off of it. He's right. willing to bite the bullet for a few years. That's true. And I'm sure his salary can can help bite the bullet for a little while. But it's also mm-hmm. – he's getting some rental income. So That's it's true. not the whole thing.
2: Yeah. $100,000 for property tax. That's insane. That's insane.
3: In a like, what? In how many? In one year? I don't know. Like what is that – that can't be for one year.
2: I live in a neighborhood that has what I feel is like an High equivalent – High property tax. Uh, no, I'm. I, I, that's not what I was, was no. going to say. But I was going to say uh, I feel like an equivalent to the boulevard would be like the Mountain Brow boulevard. You know sure. what I mean? Sure. And so I live close to that and I can only imagine what the property taxes are on those fucking houses. Like, yeah, they're probably close to that. like
3: – 10k a year or something like that
2: oh my mom's not are more, more than 10k a year a year yeah yes
3: holy fuck
2: yeah yeah what? her their property taxes in my mom's neighborhood is like uh it's like my mortgage payment it's like, like as much your as my yearly mortgage. mortgage payment yeah like so every month her property tax comes out and it's okay like the it's same a mortgage as payment my mortgage. right
3: right right, yeah. right right so like yeah a, approximately yeah like that's like yeah 30k like, a year.
2: Yeah. So, like, I'm assuming that 25k like,
3: a year or something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, I'm assuming oh that, like, the Mountain Brow Boulevard would be like probably like 45, 50.
3: Yeah. So, that's basically year. four years of living there would be 100k. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah.
2: Luckily, my property taxes are not anything close to that. But. Yeah, I thought my
3: $3,600 was a lot for the year. Yeah. Uh, mm. Selkirk, um, like my cottage is fucking $1,200
0: yeah, a year. Yeah, right? For the year. For the year. You <laughs> think like
3: $40 a $40 bucks a month. <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, that's the story of The Watcher. I'm excited to watch the show on Netflix.
3: It comes out as we were recording this. Netflix sponsor this and yeah.
2: um, I don't think we're going to have time to get to your story I really really no, monopolized this episode um, I'm so
3: sorry it's all good I think that for the listeners I think that they got their uh, their fair share of content um, mm-hmm. so I think we can just do some fuck Mary kills and yeah. I will save my story um, for two weeks from now which is cool, cool. totally fine by me and uh, <laughs> yeah okay cool um, so I I didn't really choose heartthrobs. Okay. I chose I chose '90s Halloween horror type movies, okay. but um, they're kind of they're not. I I mean some they could be considered heartthrobs. <laughs> it okay. Depends on who you are, but yeah. If so, if you have like three, you probably won't cross over with the ones that I have. I don't. Okay,
2: think. you you
3: go first. Okay, okay. So I've got Johnny Depp, Edward Scissorhands. Okay. Great. Okay, I've got David Bowie, the Labyrinth. Okay, and then I've got Jimmy Workman, who was Pugsley. It was Pugsley in the Adams Family.
2: Okay, I hate everybody. I
3: hate yeah. them all so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I mean, I like David Bowie, but in the Labyrinth, hate him. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and the labyrinth, he's so creepy. I also heard that he was dating a 15-year-old when he was alive. So that's that's why I'm like, oh, I want you to die. Oh, okay. (laughs) And Uh you're already dead. He's already dead. So we'll go with him for dying, even though everyone's going to fucking kill me for, like, because Bowie is, like, it's Bowie, right? He is
3: Bowie.
2: But I heard that he was dating a 15-year-old, so. That's really
3: creepy. You're getting the ax.
2: That's Um, good. And then fuck fuck Mary, eh? I guess I'll marry the guy that played Pugsley Adams. Jeremy Watch, Workman, he's yeah. going to have even worse, he's going to have even think worse he does. problematic behavior. Okay, I don't good. think he does. And then I'll have sex with Johnny Depp. Okay, that's fair. Okay, what about you? What would you do in that situation?
3: Um, I think the same. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, after, I didn't know the thing about David Bowie, but so that changed mm-hmm. all, all of my mind. So right. I'm just going to go go with uh yeah he did have a family legal dis- dispute the fucking Pugsley guy
2: No what yeah. was it In what May
3: 2014 it? a settlement was reached among parties Okay uh, um in August 2013 workman petitioned a court that he be granted custody of his then 15 year old sister actress Ariel Winter
2: Oh so when she when she um she – what's it called? Oh, she – what's the word when you divorce your parents? Yeah,
3: um, uh, emancipated. Emancipated
2: herself. So yes. now he took over that. Okay, so so glad I married him. What a nice yeah. man. Yeah, uh
3: workman who spoke on behalf of their mother to dispute the accusations that had been levied at her lobbied the court for custody by stating that Gray allowed Winter to be publicly sexualized, exploited Winter to promote her acting school, and used the money Winter earned as a cast member of the TV series Modern Family. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he okay. isn't the bad guy in this at okay, all. Okay,
2: good. <laughs> good. So glad to hear that. So, yes, that. We'll,
3: we will marry him and we will have sex with Johnny Depp, even though I'm not big big Johnny Depp fan, and uh, kill David Bowie. And he's already dead, so I don't have to feel bad about it.
2: Yeah. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Cool. Um, okay, what was I going to – I need one more. Or did I have I... one
3: here? I've got three guys. Hold if you want,
2: but. no, no, I picked some good ones. But okay, okay, okay I've got it. <clears throat> I'm gonna go with Jake Gyllenhaal from Donnie Darko.
3: Ooh, good one!
2: Right, such yes, a good one.
3: Such a good one.
2: Um, I'm not gonna give you the like the easy one from the movie Casper. No, gonna, don't. Yeah, I'm gonna do Bill Pullman from okay. Casper. Okay, okay,
3: yeah, that's fair.
2: Uh, and then I will do uh, Michael Keaton from Beetlejuice.
3: Kill Michael Keaton from Beetlejuice. <laughs>
2: Immediately kill Immediately Michael Keaton. Immediately kill okay. Michael Keaton. Got you.
3: Um, I am going to marry uh, Bill Pullman and I am going to have sex with um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, obviously. Yeah.
2: Because if you have sex with Jake Gyllenhaal, then you write an album and then you become super fucking famous like Taylor Swift.
3: <laughs> an album. Yes. Okay. And then- <laughs> fair <enough.
2: laughs> Several albums. Self, several <laughs> about, albums. Yeah. About Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. And then you become super famous and very, very rich. And then I'm yeah. your friend. <laughs>
3: totally. <laughs> cool. I'm yeah, no, those are definitely, to... that's definitely my answer.
2: I think I'm going to agree with you. Even though I do really like Michael Keaton, I feel like mm. I can't kill Bill Pullman. Why did Michael Keaton do something bad?
3: No, I just, okay. Beetlejuice <laughs> is just like. Beetlejuice
2: ugh. is super creepy. Yeah. yeah for sure. No, he is I'm creepy. sorry. Anyway. Well, that's the episode today, folks. That's, I hope you that's liked all. it.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that showbiz, baby.
2: Yeah, stay spooky, everyone. Bye, bye.
3: Goodbye. Bye.
1: This
4: podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.
0: Sonar! With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash
2: prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.